we are alpha dogs. That's what we are. And so, you know, how do two alpha dogs merge, right? Welcome to the Fueling Deals Podcast, the podcast that teaches how to accelerate your business growth through all types of deals. It's time to fuel up. So buckle in with your host, Corey Kupfer. There are only two ways to grow your business, organically through sales and marketing and providing great products and services, and inorganically through deals. Too many companies focus only on the first way, organic growth. Welcome to the podcast, which will help accelerate your business growth inorganically. My guests are a huge variety of deal makers and experts on all types of deals who have personal experience that can help you grow, get clear, learn best practices, and avoid mistakes. We discuss everything from large, complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do without significant capital. My guest today is Marianne Buchanan. Marianne is the founder of RIA Match, which provides advisor solutions for succession planning and growth. Marianne has over 30 years experience in the wealth management industry as both an advisor and on the institutional level in business development and relationship management. She began her career building a successful advisory practice. Marianne provides thought leadership on overcoming the human biases that play a role in the approach to succession planning and M&A. She's been quoted in all kinds of phenomenal publications. She appears in industry panels. Her full bio is going to be in the show notes. Uh, so take a look at it. Uh, I am so thrilled to have Marianne Buchanan on the program. Welcome. Hi, Corey. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm just thrilled with uh, your podcast series, and I can't wait to hear to listen to all of them. It's, it's a great idea. It's going to be very great. helpful for advisory firm principals. Thanks so much. So, and uh, and listen, uh, listeners, uh, Marianne and I have known each other for a number of years now, uh, and uh, you know, I've appeared on on some of her. Uh, uh, webinars and and shows and you know and she does great work in in the uh, investment advisor industry, but the principles that she's going to be talking about around deals also apply outside the industry. So whether you are a uh, wealth management uh, RIA uh, listener or whether you're an entrepreneur in some other business, uh, just uh, there's going to be a lot of gems here. So Marianne, I want to I want to uh, start out by before we get into what you do for people and RIA Match, now you founded your company, I want to take you back. And okay. <laughs> when you were a little girl growing up, what did you want to be? Because my guess is it wasn't uh, creating a uh, online uh, matching platform for right. in the investment advisor space for, for deals <laughs> in succession. My, my guess is when you were four, six, eight, ten, or whatever, that wasn't it, right? No, it, it certainly wasn't, Corey. What a fun question. Thank you. I haven't been asked that one before. So I um, I grew up sort of surrounded by the, my father in the business community in New York, right? Okay. So like the, the Wall Street Journal, Chemical Week, these were all things that were just around all the time. And so I actually, at a very young age, started reading the Wall Street Journal. Like, I mean, maybe 12. Wow. And so when I went, and I had no idea that that was not normal. <laughs> I go to college. What do you do? You, you bring with you what you want, right? So I get a subscription to the Wall Street Journal. And boy, did I realize at that point that wasn't normal. They made huge fun of me. But anyway, <laughs> I wanted to be in in the business world. I wanted to, things that were growing and changing and making an impact, that I always wanted to do, where it was, where I could actually move the needle. So that's probably the beginning of the entrepreneurial aspect. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so let's, so let's take it from there. So what what was your first real business, however you define that? Ah, so literally out of college, back to that entrepreneurial energy and ownership, right? 
I started out in 1983, a graduate from University of Michigan in econ, started out in 1983 at the oldest um, brokerage firm in Washington, D.C., Folger, Nolan, Fleming, Douglas. And it was a joy because this was, they had great clients and a great outlook and there was no minimum. It was do for your, do the best you can, right? For any client that you get, do the best that you can. So that was a real privilege to be able to start in our industry that way from a commissionable side versus, you know, so they had the outlook of the fee side, right? Um, on the commissionable side. And so um, a phone, a desk, and a pat on the back. And I could create what I wanted to create. And I knew if I, yeah, I know if I made it or I didn't make it, it was because of what I brought to the value I brought to the table to my clients. Right. So it's interesting for people who don't understand that model, you know, you didn't own the company, but you, but you were an entrepreneur because, you know, because it was, you know, basically what you produced is what you produced and, you know, nobody, nobody handed you anything and you ran your own thing, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, that's an entrepreneurial opportunity, even, even without being uh, an owner. Right. Right. And actually, you know, in that, in that particular model, they would never have taken my clients. I did leave that firm and went to another firm. These small regional firms, they were like, these are your clients. No one's calling. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. So you owned your book, you know, so you owned right. your client base. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So um, now was RA Match the, the first um, uh, company that you uh, owned or did you have any, any other uh, Entrepreneurial ventures outside of owning your book, a business when you were doing that uh, prior to RA Match? Yeah, no. So I was a financial advisor and basically built it. And then um, my husband got transferred and I thought, oh my God, he's going to get transferred. So every couple of years in this corporate journey we were on. So that's when I went to work in... um, with different uh, investments that I would actually be working with advisors. So I switched from being an advisor to working with advisors. That's great. Yeah. So, so let, let's let's give, give a quick overview of what RA Match does because I mean it's it's such a phenomenal platform in the in the industry and also just the concept of having a marketplace for M and A and succession is a concept that could apply across industries and there are some other examples in other industries as well and it's such a useful thing. So can you you know tell our listeners? Uh, what that is and how you do it and when the value you provide? Sure, Corey. Thanks. So RA Match, um, we have two basic offerings. One is the platform. And so it's match.com for financial advisors to partner their practices. So instead of dating, you're actually looking for mergers and acquisitions. So it's for advisors to buy, sell, merge, join, or add advisors to their practice. And it's all channels. It's, you know, we're, it's RIA match, so we're primarily RIAs, but we have independent broker dealers and wirehouse advisors, wirehouse reps. We've got the banking channel. Everybody, this is here for everybody to come um, and look to see who is who w- they would be matched with for their goal. It's a month-to-month subscription. It's we're the lowest cost provider, thirty dollars, fifty dollars a month. They can upgrade and downgrade on a monthly basis. It can be free just to see if they've got any matches. I was really motivated to bring the solution to advisors because technology can take you so far. There's so much out there. Um, and what we decided is let's let's create the, the playing field. We're not going to call the plays. Create the playing field. And so it's anonymous and secure. So the advisor can decide, you know, there's an internal messaging system like many of these systems, and they then reveal who they are if and when they choose to. So the power is in the hands of the advisor. 
And that was important to me. Now, we started, we launched in 2012. And in 2015, we um, launched RA Match Concierge Consulting. Because while the platform is tremendous, um, sometimes technology will take you so far and you need human help. So we started concierge consulting for those who wanted a human touch point, whether it's to help them create their value proposition, to do the searching for them, to get them started on the platform um, partway. We have a different stages of help uh, for advisors so that you can work with one of our consultants. That's great. So, so let's start getting into some of the lessons you've learned either you know, through the platform, through the consulting, through your years in the industry. Uh, you know, in terms of... Uh, Let's say some of the some of the challenges, which you know, and I always look at the other side of a challenge as an opportunity, right? Uh, if people start to understand it, but some of the challenges that um, let's say some you know some sellers have. I mean, uh, you, you and I have talked in the past of something called the IKEA effect and things right. like that. So, so, so right. jump in and let's uh, let's talk about what you what you see there. Sure. Well, you know, it's a it's a challenge for sellers to, um, or it's a challenge to come and consider being a seller. So if we look at our industry as a whole, buyers to sellers is 50 to one, 50 buyers for every one seller. So we have to say, well, why is that? Because probably as we have this, we know we have this aging demographic, right? The average investment advisor is in his late 50s, which means you have many, many that are much older. Um, now, why is that? Well, because these advisors have that entrepreneurial energy and ownership from day one and worked to gain every client's trust. The advisor's name is probably on the door. So they built this, and it's very difficult for them to let go, really on a couple things. One, you know, Corey, you're talking about the IKEA effect. So that's actually a thing. IKEA effect is a, um, a phrase and, and a, a way of thinking that, it, you know, we all go to IKEA, and, you know, you go send your kid to college. They need a dresser. You're like, okay, well, I'm not bringing a good one from home. Let's go to IKEA. Let's get one and get them set. And all those screws and you put it together and it takes far more time than you thought and you built it and you think, my God, this is the best dresser ever, right? And someone says, you know, well, this dresser sells for this. No, it doesn't. It's much more than that because I built it. So they, sellers tend to overvalue their firm. It's very common and it's a tough one to overcome, but it can, they can do it. They, a seller can um, sort of begin to look at it one of the things they need to do is uh, figure out what their next step is, but that's another topic. Yeah. So before we go there, I'm, I'm really interested because you raised a couple of things, right? One is this the IKEA effect and, you know, uh, which causes people to overvalue. You also mentioned actually a few things. You mentioned the 50 to one buyer to, you know, seller uh, ratio. And then, and then also the, you know, even just having people make the decision to sell. So I want to drill into that because, uh, I would, you know, my guess is based upon our past conversations, you'd, you'd probably agree with this, but feel free to disagree. You don't need to agree. Um, you know, when we say 50 to one buyer to seller, uh, the way I guess I would phrase it, if we really drill down on it, it's 50 to one in terms of who says they want to be a buyer versus a seller. It's a different ratio potentially on who should be a buyer oh, yeah. or a seller. <laughs> so, you want to talk about that? <laughs> sure, sure. You know, it, it takes, to own your own business takes thick skin. And you just, you know, we are alpha dogs. That's what we are. And so, you know, how do two alpha dogs merge, right? So they, it's, it's a challenge. And it's also difficult to 
say, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to sell. So here are these buyers. So let's talk about the buyer for a second. If you were a buyer and you think I'm going to be a buyer, you should go through sort of what, what is my value proposition? What can I offer to a seller that would help their clients first, right? Because it's not all about money. What can I bring to them that would be an accretive to their clients? Secondly, what can I bring that's accretive to their staff and their firm and, and the advisor as a whole? So that's a lot of buyers kind of are, they have these blind spots about um, what they, you know, they have this laundry list of what they want out of an ideal uh, client, a firm to buy, right? A seller. And they forget that there are so few sellers and that the buyer needs to look at what can I bring to the seller? Does that answer it? Yes. No, no, no. no, I love that. And and so, so Marianne, so I I am a, I am a quote unquote buyer. And I, and I said to you, um, listen, of course I have a value proposition, man. We're a great place to work and uh, we really care about our clients. Right. Right. And so what's the differentiator? <laughs> exactly. Which advisor, tell me an advisory firm that doesn't say they love their clients. They're there to take care of them. I look at, you know, I work with advisors every day and I spend time on their websites and it's just a sea of the sameness and it's very difficult. Right. Yeah. You know, I, 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 you know, I sort of brought that up because I'm usually on the other side of that. I'm the one who's hearing, you know, because I asked that, I asked that same question, you know, sure. always with my clients because they, because Listen, from my point of view, I mean, not not that I, I consult or match people or do the things you do, but, you know, I, I have ongoing clients, right? And they'll often say to me, hey, Corey, we'd love to grow. Uh, you know, if you know of anybody, just let me know. You know, we're looking to acquire. Uh, and I say to them, okay, uh, well, do you have a target on, you know, who you're, who you're looking for? Do you know? Well, uh, you know, and sometimes it's muddled. Sometimes they know, you know, sometimes they have an idea, you know, they want to expand a particular geography or, they have a, you know, particular... Um, uh, type of expertise or whatever that they want to, you know, bring in, you know. Um, but a lot of times they're like, uh, no, you know, we're just, we'd like, we'd just like to grow, you know, if you know any good advisors, uh, you know, they just, so they don't even have a target. And then also when I said, them, okay, what's your value proposition to them or why would they come to you? You know, I get what I sort of parroted back to you, you know, we're a great place to work. Right so. <laughs> no, that's right. The, the, the advisor needs to have a very clear um, understanding the principal has to have a very clear understanding first before they decide who they want to buy. They have to have a very clear understanding of who they are as a firm. So that, and that sounds easy, but it actually takes some work. You know, who are we? What is our, you know, what are we to our clients? What are we to our staff, to each other, right? And I know that sounds soft and, and light and, you know, quanti- qualitative, but until you can figure that out, you can't figure out your value proposition. And then you need to decide, as you said, Corey, you know, the who, right? First, the what, are, what we are, who do we want to bring on? Who do we, how do we want to grow? And um, you must ad- identify because, you know, again, size, location, you want to look at, you know, is there a match in business model, uh, investment strategy, right? Philosophy and culture. So here's the thing. Um, we all tend to gravitate toward the quantitative. Uh, first off, it makes us feel like a science, right? Um, and so we want the quantitative. So we come in and we were like, oh, well, we're going to buy someone for, you know, this EBITDA or this multiple of revenue or or whatever, right? And we want this and we want that, all these numbers. They say UM size that. And they find someone and those numbers line up because that's what they're focused on the numbers. And then all of a sudden, the deal blows up. 
because they never stopped to check what is our philosophy and culture and are they aligned? So if those aren't aligned, it doesn't matter how great the numbers are. Yeah. Right? So, so what are some of the things in that area of philosophy and culture that, that can conflict that people should really be uh, focused on? Well, um, they, they want to, uh, you know, let's, let's look at a number of different angles. So from a firm, right? Are you an open door policy firm or you, everybody, if, is everything very agenda based, you know, very formal, right? Is everything a structured meeting on your calendar or can I just walk into an office? Something that simple. Um, do you hire because of a person's drive and what they can bring to the table, um, their, their skill set? Or is really the first thing you look at, did they, you know, did they graduate from a single syllable university? You know, and so is it more pedigree? Those kinds of things don't seem like a big deal, but that can, that can be a very big deal. Um, you know, are you trying to, there's a, there's a challenge right now in our country, in our culture of, in our world, there's about a 14% female participation in the wealth management. So they're like, we're going to get a woman. We get a woman on here. This will just be great. I'm like, I'm like, no, actually what you need to have to be the right fit. Look at men and women. And if it happens to be a woman and it's the right fit, that's great. But just to go out and say, I'm going to pick a gender and make it work. Right. Oh, this is a woman. She's in the business. We'll pull her in. No, that's um, the philosophy and culture. Do they, is there a fit? Uh, do you like the person? <laughs> right especially if they're not selling and leaving, right? And uh, because they tend to bring clients in that they get along with, that, you know, if the client is used to a certain, you know, they, they only deal with pedigree uh, advisors, right? That won't be a good fit. So it, it, there's a trickle-down effect. Yeah, and, and those things are so important. And, it, you know, it's interesting that you, know, you alluded to it before that some people look at these as softer items and whatever, which is, uh, you know, it, it, it's strange that they get that, you know, those characters. I mean, I get it. I get numbers are hard and legal structures are hard. And, but, but, but the, the word soft is, um, it's so important that the word soft seems to, you know, uh, you know, underplay it. I, and listen, I think there's a shift. I think there's a shift across uh, the entire entrepreneurial community to uh, put a higher value on cultural fit. And, right. uh, you know, and things like that. I mean, from, you know, from, from Zappos and Tony Shea's book and all these things that trigger yeah. it the conversation yeah. in the Brutal community in the last decade. So I think it is starting to shift and I, I people, you know, and we more often hear soft skills is not a dismissive thing, but, but as a recognition that they are the quote unquote soft skills are important. That's right. Um, but uh, you know, I, right. I, I, it's, so I think it's evolving, uh, but they, they are so, so important. And, and also in our business, which is a relationship business, you know, certainly technology, you know, every advisory firm has been touched by the advancement in technology. Um, and it has been a huge game changer, um, not only for the larger firms, but it's making smaller firms very profitable because they can manage on a few. But this is still a relationship business. And you need, you need to connect with your clients. And if you're acquiring a firm, you need to be able to connect with their clients. So that comes back to the you know, alignment of philosophy and culture. And then, so that's the, that's the human side, but then uh, alignment of philosophy and culture from a business side. So, you know, if you're a, a passive, so in our world, if your investment management philosophy is passive um, and you're, you're, you're using DFA or using, you know, ETFs, iShares, right? And you're looking at a firm that is an active manager with individual securities, that's going to be an issue. 
better talk about that right away. You know, bring that up. Right. Are they willing to make the change? That's a big leap. Are their clients? How will they explain that to their clients? Will their clients go along with that? So that's, um, you know, that's a big challenge on investment vehicles. You know, if someone, if a firm has been um, very much a, a, an alpha firm, and you know, they're trying to just bring the difference in, so maybe they're doing a lot of alternatives, um, but they're talking to a firm that they're really well, comprehensive wealth management, unless they're looking to grow in that way, you know, you have to look at what is your, and that's back to your differentiation, right? What is your value proposition here? And if you're not looking for someone that's bringing those alternatives, that um, that alpha, that's not really what you're looking for, then, you know, is that a right, is that the right fit? Yeah, and, it's, and it's really interesting, Marianne, because, you know, when it, sometimes when it comes to me, people will say, you know, in addition to the, hey, do you know anybody? But, um, you know, they'll say to me, hey, Corey, I want to start acquiring uh, you know, how should I structure, you know, my deals? Like what structure should I use to bring people in? And I always say, well, I don't know uh, who, you know, what are your objectives? Who are you trying to bring in? What are the reasons you're doing it? Because, you know, uh, you can do an onboarding deal uh, to bring in a hired advisor. Uh, you can do a tuck in to bring in a small, you know, um, which is basically a small acquisition. You can do a bigger acquisition. Uh, you can, do it for cash. You can do it for equity. You can do it for you know combination. Earn out. Yeah. So I mean, you know, and I so and, and I think sometimes people get hung up on structures because they heard that X Y Z firm or their friends firm or sort of structures this way. You know, and I always bring it back to, hey, listen, don't worry, that's what you pay me for, right? I'll I'll figure out a structure. Exactly. See, but there's that con. There's that concrete again. If I walk around with the right structure, I'll find the right firm to buy because I have this great structure. Another thing is size. Um, when we look at advisory firms looking to acquire another firm, so when we talk about that fifty to one, it, they're indiscriminate about you know whether they're a buyer or seller. They may have you know very small AUM and think I'm going to be a buyer, and so that's part of that that value prop thing again. Um, but two firms of varying sizes can come together and still bring. They shouldn't get too hung up on the AUM because they can still bring huge value to the firm. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, yeah. Somebody, some large firm may may have whatever a billion dollars in assets in the management, something as small, but but maybe maybe the smaller firm, you know, has an in in a particular industry or segment, or they're really experts, you know, or location, you know, or they really know all, you know, uh, real estate alts really well, and that's a you know that's a a, a, a niche for the, a niche, yeah, all that stuff. So that's great. So let me ask you, going back to uh, the capabilities of RA Match. Um, so, you know, a lot of these things that we're talking about, uh, you know, alignment of, of investment philosophy, uh, you know, approach on clients, some of the quote unquote softer stuff. Uh, how much, uh, you know, is it basically like how much can people tell on the platform about any of those? And then, of course, you know, I know there's a point at which they connect and obviously they can get into that deep more deeply. But I'm curious as to how much of the technology covers that and where they you know, and where they uh, need to um, then go live uh, or connect directly uh, right. to get more of that. Thank you for asking that. Um, so in when you build your profile on RA Match, it's click-through, right? You just click, click, click through these answers. And so we actually collect, it takes about 25 minutes from beginning to end, um, asking you questions. Mostly you have on the top of your head. You may want to have your ADD handy if you aren't really familiar with, but most advisors uh, do this on the top of their head. We ask 72 data points. Um, we match on seven and we allow you to expand your net or have it as narrow as you want. 
But we ask, you know, where do you where do you want to be matched? You know, are you looking nationally? Are you looking regionally? You know, and so you do it by zip code, right? So number of miles in your search. So where years of experience? Are you looking to buy a firm or an to uh, find an advisor that is new to the industry? Five years, ten years? How long have they been in the business? Right? That year, those years of experience matter. Um, how are they compensated? Uh, many firms are fee only. Some are hybrid. Some are, you know, there are commissionable brokers out there. So, how do you want to be compensated, right? Um, what's your sense of urgency? Um, you know, are you when you find the right one, is this good? And also, um, how many households do you serve? You know, if I have fifty million of AUM, the first thing you might say to me, Corey, is, "Oh, that's a nice business. That's you know, nice, small, right?" And then I tell you. I have six clients. And then you say, nice. <laughs> right, right. Nice. <laughs> or I tell you, I have 15 million of AUM and I have 500 clients. And then you're thinking, huge amount of people, <laughs> small clients, right? So, so we ask, how many households? So, so when you're going through, and so that's just what we match on, but when you're going through, we ask, the, um, you click through and um, what your client breakdown is, how many high net worth, how many mass affluent, how many, what 401k or pension, so that you get a sense of what's, what is this business about, right? Um, we ask philosophy and culture. Uh, and in that one, we talk about, you know, are you a lifestyle practice or are you an enterprise practice? And it's a little slider bar. So it's not like you've got it, uh, right? It's yeah. not a hard, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm moving toward a lifestyle practice. Or I'm moving toward an enterprise practice. So it's a little bit more than halfway, right? You know, do you have systems and procedures um, so that there's a consistency of client care, right? So, and that's a slider bar. Yeah, I've got some. I don't have any, right? Um, do you have a, a growth plan uh, or are you just taking referrals as they come in, right? You know, this sort of tells you a bit about a firm. Um, do you have an advisor growth plan or are you just whatever, right? Who owns the clients? You know, is this silent, you know, right? the firm as a whole or the advisor. So that's part of the philosophy and culture. So we ask a lot of information, you know, which custodians, your primary or secondary, what technology you use. Because, you know, if I am a match with someone that uses the same TAMP and the same custodians and the same CRM, wow, that's going to be easy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, what I love it. Know what I love about this, Marion. There's two things that I, I mean. There's a lot, but the two things specifically in this moment I'm thinking of that I love about it. One is in terms of this podcast. Um, whether people are in the advice, you know, the wealth management space or another space, the things you rattled off, uh, you know, are the start of a checklist yeah, <laughs> on what, right. Uh, right? <laughs> on what, on what companies should be looking at, uh, you know, yeah. it, it, you know, even if they're in a totally different business. And oh, sure. Systems platform. and procedures and consistency of client care. Right, uh, right exactly. And it's, a, you know, it's, and for somebody who is, who is looking to acquire or onboard a talent or acquire a company, whether it's in the, the wealth management industry or not, uh, you know, most of those those things are are applicable, and so it sort of becomes a checklist. And then, similarly, what I sort of thought to myself, not that uh, you know, in terms of users of your of RA Match, um, not, of course, uh, you know, I am hoping that they find their match on the platform, etc. But it sounds to me like the experience of going through just filling out that profile forces them to think about all of the things that they should be thinking about anyway, which will also help them prepare to potentially find somebody, you know, off your platform. Again, we hope they find them on your platform, but the, right, the point but, is, but they the may point not, is they, absolutely. They may right. not. And, and the point is that, that, that it is such a good exercise mm-hmm. for them to do, to be prepared, even, you know, whether it's on RA match or off. 
Thank you. No, it actually is true. So they, once you put all these um, inputs in, right, and it's just clicking through, then you submit and you get your profile. And so you can see there's the pie chart of the division of your client mix, you know, high net worth, mass affluent 401k, right? You see that. You see, you know, the services that you offer. It's all the, the vehicles, investment vehicles that you use, what you outsource. You get to see, am I scalable? You know, I'm outsourcing cons- uh, compliance. I'm outsourcing back office, you know, or, you know, I've got a, a virtual assistant. All that's right there. So you can see at a glance really sort of who you are, right? Before, and that's, that's a very good point. No, it does, it does help. It does help them. And we do, we added a My Story, um, which is an open text box section, which allows them to talk about their value proposition. And so, and we actually have a whole, uh, an article on the site that they can read about how to write a good value proposition, what other people have said. Um, and then in our concierge consulting, if they want, we can help them with that for not a, no, not a huge engagement. Um, we can help them get that organized. And then they can go out and do their own search, right? On our site, off our site. You know, a lot of times uh, advisors used to plan on going to those custodial conferences uh, or maybe a product sponsor conference and meeting like-minded advisors um, and teaming up. That's been a very common way in the olden days. That was like the only way, right? Sure. And then there were um, there were ways to to meet other people. But now Technology gives us this way to put our toe in the water and look around. And it's a great way to, to get started um, without making, you know, no huge commitment. You just put your toe in the water and, and look around. Love it. So I, I want to go in a different direction for a little bit because I, I, uh, I would love to. Uh, so, you know, you have you've had your own entrepreneurial journey around building RA Match and, uh, you know, and all the uh, and, uh, you know, anybody who's been an entrepreneur in any business, I don't care. There's are, there are ups and downs and challenges and wins and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'd love to hear, uh, you know, in general, but also, um, you know, listen, there, there may be listeners in other industries uh, on, you know, uh, my Fueling Deals podcast listeners, a uh, number of them are in other industries. And, uh, you know, to create a marketplace for deals in, in a particular industry, I think is a very interesting thing for me. So I'd love to hear a little bit more just about your journey, the challenges, the ups, the, you know, and, and the lessons learned uh, on, the, on your particular entrepreneurial journey. Well, so lessons learned. Um, I feel like I have a PhD. Okay. <laughs> so the idea was to bring a, you know, you have this idea, right? And it was to bring a solution to, you know, this is my world, right? I've spent my whole career in my space dealing, you know, helping advisors and, um, and being an advisor myself initially. And so I'm very passionate about helping our world be better. And I talked to so many advisors that I, I helped with, with matching, right? Before, uh, before I match, and I helped with the divorces. Equal, you know, very sad, right? So I was really motivated for that. What I know nothing of which this required a lot of, was technology. So I was so grateful to team up with Planet Systems Group. And uh, they have been my technology strategic alliance all the way through, which has been fabulous, which has been fabulous. So um, having to be reliant, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to give up control. I had to give up control of that aspect because it's not what I knew. So that was 
a challenge. So uh, uh, let me just stop you and dig in there, right? Because, uh, you know, this is a podcast on deals and you just raised another type of deal, right? Which is a strategic alliance deal with a technology partner that you brought in to build something that you had the, the, the vision, the concept, the, t- the, um, the industry knowledge about, but you, you didn't have the technology. So, so you, so you, you know, I, I want to point that out that because strategic alliances are such an underused, uh, uh, approach in a lot of industries where there is, you know, partners out there and they could be, they can be structured in so many different ways. I mean, right. uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, and, and you can feel free to disclose or not disclose whatever you, whatever you're comfortable with, but you know, you know, uh, you know, in some cases, the strategic partner will, you know, it'll be an equity share. In some cases, it'll be just, you know, some sort of revenue share or right. profit share. In some cases, it's strategic, but it's really more a contract for services. Yeah, no, Planet Systems Group is Ben. Um, you know, I I invested. You know, my my family, right? We invested, and and they, but they have been such a they have gone above and beyond anything they charged me, above and beyond. Oh, it's been fabulous. So uh, that giving up control to that aspect of the business. Um, another challenge was, you know, how you do your pro forma, right? And you think this, you know. You, you start with the universe of advisors and then you look at the age and you do this whole thing. And I thought, oh my God, I'm late. I'm late to the party. Um, the custodians are going to get this done before me. Well, what you forget is when you're a startup, you are so much more nimble. Nimble. Absolutely. Right. I mean, so, you know, kind of like look at a cruise ship trying to get around a bend in a river and a PT boat speeding around. Right. So, I really appreciate that. And now I, you know, we are, we do white labels for uh, large institutions. So that's been a great uh, teaming up with these firms. Okay. So, so I'm going to stop you again, because again, I always like to point out, so white labeling is another kind of deal that right. people can do in any industry. Right. Um, so just give me two sentences on what white labeling is. So everybody understands it. Sure. So RAA match is out there and it's great. Um, and it's being well received. You know, we've got, um, let me just do one quick thing here. We have over 5,000 subscribers across the nation with 450 billion of AUM under management and aggregate. But there are firms that are like, look, we want to keep our advisors here. We don't want them like a custodian doesn't want to lose the right. And if they go on your site, they're going to meet somebody from another custodian and they may take our stuff away. We want to keep here or a large you know, collection of independent broker dealers under one umbrella. But like we want to keep them here. So I, at first, so here's a lesson, right? At first I said, no, that will, um, I'm going to cannibalize myself if I do that. Three years in, I thought, no, I won't cannibalize myself. I will grow. <laughs> right? right, right. So then that's when we started doing white labeling. And what that means is a very similar, but, but customized platform for another institution that it just says, you know, instead of RA match, it says, custodian match or TAMP match or whatever, fill in the blank, right? And um, and it's designed and delivered inside that firm's uh, garden walls. So it's just for their firm. And there's no RA match on it. We don't need that. Well, our client is that firm. And our mission is to give that firm the best possible product. And we've been really, that's just been a very rewarding experience for us and something I absolutely was not on the initial business plan. Yeah. And that's great. And, and that's a true white label where, where basically the, nobody knows that you're powering nobody knows. You know, there, there are some of those deals where, where, you know, it'll, it's, there's it'll white say powered, by. powered by exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. right. 
Um, and, but it's important uh, for the client that it be theirs. Exactly, exactly, which is great. And there, and there are so many more, you know, white label deals out there that people realize that it's, uh, I think it's an underutilized uh, deal structure. So it's great you pointed that out. It is. And also to be, so that's like being a silent, strong partner. I don't think anybody, whatever industry you're in, should think of that as a negative. I mean, that that's a whole business line. Let me do for you. Let me serve you. And I don't need the accolades other than knowing that you as my client are well served. And listen, let's, let's face it, you know, from, from an economical point of view, I'm sure, you know, in most of the white label deals, I know, I'm assuming it was true for you. You know, there might've been some tweaking or customization or whatever that oh, was huge, done. Huge right? customization. But, huge. but even when there's huge customization, you're starting with, you know, I mean, so depending upon the kind of white label deal, there could be just minor tweaking, you know, through large customization. But even when there's large customization, you're starting with the, you know, you're leveraging the, the base that you have already built and you've invested right. in and you're advertising right. that cost and expense and experience. And, you know, and, and you, you have something that, you know, that you're working with. So you get to, you get to, you know, you get to leverage that existing asset. And when I say huge customization, Corey, what I mean is really more the look and feel. Yes. A little bit of functionality. But in, what I mean by that is when a, and a client goes to one of our subscribers goes to RA Match and then they go to some other white label. They would have, they would no really idea. go, oh wow, right, wow, got it. Same thing, but but most people may not even think about it. That's right, but but largely the engine that, oh, that all runs done. it oh, is all done, which is the great. Proprietary matching algorithms, the functionality, the uh, workflow, oh, all that's all the layouts, yeah, just right done. Yeah, which is fantastic because oh, now, huge, you know, yeah. A huge lift for the, uh, for the institution because it would take them, you know, full bar, it would take them a year and it'd be a lot more expensive because they're starting from scratch. That's right. So they'd rather pay you for that than you have an existing asset you can leverage and make more money on. And it's way cheaper for the institution. Way That's cheaper. Right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Love it. I love it. So listen, we, we can speak about, there's so much we can talk about, but uh, obviously, you know, we have some time constraints on the podcast here. So I, I just want to, uh, give you an opportunity. Uh, I'm going to ask you one last question, but before I do that, I want to give you an opportunity to let people know where they can uh, find you uh, because I'm sure they're going to want more information. So uh, you know, what are the best contact, uh, uh, you know, where they can find more information about you? Great. Thank you, Corey. So my email is marianne.buchanan at com. So M-A-R-Y-A-N-N dot B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N at com. So our website is right there, rimatch.com. We have support at, you can click on that all over the website and, and send us uh, so to our support team and they can respond to any questions. And, and if you want to speak to me, just say, no, message for Marianne and they'll get it over to me. So no worries there. That's great. So uh, my final question that I always ask on the podcast uh, is around authenticity because I am a, you know, it's a, it's a core value of mine. There's a reason my book is called Authentic Negotiating. Um, and uh, and for me, authenticity is not about ex- some sort of external ethics or you know integrity. Although you need in- you need integrity, it's about this conversation of alignment of self knowledge and alignment with our true values and and making business decisions, building businesses, doing deals that are in alignment. Because I find that anything we do in life that's not in alignment uh, ends up not to work out that well. Um, right. So my question for you is: as an entrepreneur, as a deal maker, as a you know thought leader. Uh, how do you make sure that your business decisions and your deals are aligned uh, or in alignment with who you are? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good one. 
So there are a couple of different ways we would have articulated this in the past, right? We would have said, go with your gut, right? What is your, what are your true values that drive you? Um, and that is, um, if you listen to your gut or you listen to yourself, you will be authentic, right? Um, another way of looking at that is what are your boundaries, right? So, you know, within a parallel. Um, but for me, sort of my servant leadership has always really spoken to me. Now, of course, I didn't know that phrase for a long time. Then I read this book on servant leadership. I thought, oh, so there we go. So my, if I'm more focused on the value I'm bringing to the clients versus how great everything else is, you know, like my my platform or whatever, if, if I'm most focused on is the client benefiting, is the, and, and also being right up front with them, like, so this is what's good about it. And now let's talk about the hurdles because nothing is without a hurdle. Here are the challenges, right? And so that level of, and now transparency is used all the time, but it's that level of transparency, but also the desire to truly bring value to the client. And that servant leadership, I think, um, helps me be authentic. I love that. I identify as a servant leader as well. It's what drives me. So uh, I personally identify that. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners do too. Uh, Marianne, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been such a joy. Corey, my pleasure. My pleasure. And I want to thank you for all the times that you have come and given your legal wisdom on RA Match that's been very helpful to our subscribers. And those are recorded. So now I'm going to plug you um, because anyone who goes to rematch.com uh, scrolls to the bottom and clicks on webinars, you can hear um, Corey's uh, guidance on establishing an RIA, um, the legal aspects of that, the challenges um, legally within the REA community, um, running your own business and building your own business and starting it out. So lots of great information that you have been very gracious to uh, bring to RIA Match. I want to thank you for that. Oh, you're so sweet. Uh, that's great. And thanks again. Um, and thank you, Fueling Deals listeners, for tuning in. Remember, there's only one difference between companies that grow inorganically and those that don't. And it's unrelated to size, amount of capital, or any other factor, other than that the owners and executives of companies that do deals make a decision to do deals, and then they take action. It's time to refuel. So until next week, Corey Kupfer signing out. Thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to leave Fueling Deals a rating and review on iTunes and Google. Check out all our episodes at FuelingDeals.com to find out more resources to accelerate your business growth. 